On the morning of July 8th, 2020, Naya Rivera, the actress and singer who rose to fame playing Santana Lopez for six seasons on Glee, strapped her four-year-old son, Josie, into the back seat of her SUV and drove to Lake Piru, a large man-made reservoir in Ventura County, north of Los Angeles. The pair arrived at the 60-acre recreation site on the lake's western shore just before 1 p.m. and entered the parking lot adjacent to the boat dock. It was a typically hot and sunny July day. During normal times, the parking lot would have been choked with cars and the lakeshore teeming with people, both locals with their kids on summer break and travelers extending their 4th of July vacations. But these were not normal times. Due to the pandemic, four months earlier, the county had closed the recreation area to visitors. And though it reopened July 1st, services were reduced and there was only a handful of visitors permitted at any one time. Surveillance video from that afternoon shows Naya drive her car into the nearly empty lot just before 1 p.m. and choose a spot far away from the handful of others parked there. Naya and Josie then exit the car, open the trunk, and gather a few belongings before walking in the direction of the boat launch. Naya's mother would later tell investigators that her daughter and grandson had set out that morning to barbecue at one of the grill sites along the lakefront, something they'd often done before the pandemic. A bag of unopened charcoal was later found in the back of Naya's car. But apparently, at some point during their drive to the lake, Naya and Josie changed their minds and decided to instead rent a pontoon boat from a lakeside rental company, which they would take out into the lake to swim. In the surveillance video, you can see the pair board their boat and, after a short time, steer it out of the slip and turn left toward the northern part of the lake before they disappear from view. It was 1 p.m. when Naya and Josie left the dock and they were expected back at 4. When they did not return, the rental company sent out boats to find them. Naya's boat was soon spotted adrift in an area in the north part of the lake called the Narrows. As the staff approached, they saw Josie, who they initially misidentified as a girl, alone and asleep on the floor of the boat wearing a life jacket with his mom nowhere to be found. An adult life jacket was on the floor next to the boy. At 4.38 p.m., the boat staff called 911. 911, it's on, what are you reporting? Uh, Lake Piru, um, the emergency is we have a missing person. We found a little girl in one of the boats by herself and her mom's nowhere to be found. Okay, Lake Piru. Ventura County Sheriff's deputies arrived at 5 p.m. and Josie told them he and his mom had gone for a swim but very soon thereafter, the wind started blowing heavily, and though he was able to get back on board, his mom could not, and she sank below the water. Officials immediately ordered a full-scale search of the lake, and over the next five days, as the public learned the identity of the missing woman and the media descended on Lake Piru, scores of divers, boats, helicopters, drones, and underwater search vehicles scoured the lake and its surroundings for any sign of Naya. Finally, on the morning of July 13th, Naya Rivera's body was found just a few hundred feet from where they had found her boat five days earlier. Naya Rivera was 33 years old. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. This is the second installment of our three-part series, The Glee Curse, Part 2, Naya Rivera. The initial inquiries into the disappearance and subsequent recovery of Naya's body became an enormous media event that spawned unfounded speculation and unsupported analysis from experts, pundits, and public commentators. But after months of investigations undertaken by the sheriff's department, the coroner's office, and by lawyers hired by Josie's father, who would later that year file a lawsuit against the county and the boat rental company, here's what we now know happened. 
Josie and Naya jumped off the boat and into the lake for a swim about two hours after they first set out from the dock. According to Josie, shortly after they were in the water, the wind picked up and the boat began to rock pretty heavily, and Naya urgently told him to get back on board. What exactly happened next was never fully resolved. Josie initially told sheriff's deputies that the winds picked up and Naya quickly swam him back to the boat and pushed him on board while she was still in the water. In Josie's father's subsequent lawsuit, he claimed Josie remained much closer to the boat and was able to get back on board on his own, but that his mother was still some distance away. Regardless, Josie was certain that after he was on board, his mother called out to him to look for more rope or anything else he could throw to her that she could grab, but he was unable to find anything. He said he watched her go under the water. Jason, reading uh, sort of this description of what transpired is profoundly difficult given the age of Josie in particular. He, this is a four-year-old boy, so as a narrator of what transpired when his mother perished in a lake by drowning, uh, it, it's it's hard to know exactly what transpired, but you know that it is profound and he will face the consequences of this mentally and emotionally for the rest of his life. It, it's completely heartbreaking. It's it's very difficult when I was reading the narratives of of his statement and of what happened later and the lawsuits and everything, which we'll get into, it's profoundly heartbreaking. As you mentioned, you only hope the, the boy was so young that he will have few memories of what actually happened because I can't fathom watching your mother go under the water like that. He then fell asleep for however long until the sheriff's deputies arrived. And you're right. Young children can be resilient, but this is a profound moment in this in this young child's life. It will forever change the trajectory of, of his upbringing and so forth. You know, what's what's powerful to me in reading that is that his, his mother was talking with him, presumably, during this whole episode, whether she pushed him on board heroically or he was able to get back, she was asking for a rope because the drowning isn't because she can't swim. It's from exhaustion and right. choppy waters. And I, I think having to go through that entire episode, which may have taken, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, you can imagine, before yeah. someone actually goes under the water for the last time. It, it's it's totally traumatic. It, again, it's it, it was hard to read through the narratives of this thing. It's very likely, based on what we know, that as the winds picked up and after Josie got himself back on board or was pushed on board, the unanchored boat drifted away from Naya and she was unable to catch up with it. Weather reports confirmed that there were some considerable winds on the lake that afternoon, which is pretty common, especially in this narrows area of Lake Piru. Some gusts were reaching up to 21 miles per hour. Further, unlike most boats, the bottoms of pontoon boats do not rest in the water. Maybe most people know this. I, I was unaware of it. I instead, pontoon boats are elevated a foot or so off the water by a pair of aluminum pontoons or skis that run the full lengths of both the port and starboard sides of the boat. And because pontoon boats have less of their surface area in contact with the water, friction is reduced and they can move really quickly in the wind. Rivera was a very strong swimmer. She was an experienced boater. She grew up visiting lakeside recreation areas with her family, and she and Josie frequently came to Lake Pyro before the pandemic. Nevertheless, Derek, with winds of up to 21 miles per hour pushing the boat away, even the stronger, strongest swimmers would have had very little chance. Just as a point of reference, Michael Phelps's top swimming speed is about six miles per hour. Yeah, you know, I've been on pontoon boats on small lakes, and you're right. Because you're on these two skis, you don't need as much of a powerful motor. The right. boat just moves. That's, it's sort of That's floating. the design of the boat, is to move quickly. It's a, it's a leisure boat, but you move quickly in the wind. There's actually the... The visor that goes over the top of every pontoon boat is a very large sort of sunshade. And these can actually ca act as a sail in pontoon boats as well, which is why we'll talk about this in a minute, why anchors are so important in pontoon boats, because they can drift away quite 
quite quickly. Um, there was some initial conjecture that Naya may have been unable to climb aboard due to some sort of injury, like, for example, she hit her head on the rocking boat, which compromised her ability to get back on board. But the coroner later ruled this theory out, saying Naya's body showed no signs of physical trauma whatsoever to her head or otherwise. Similarly, Naya struggled from time to time with vertigo, and there was some speculation she suffered an attack while in the water. And with vertigo, it's almost impossible to conduct yourself safely in the water. But her family later told investigators she was diligent about taking her medication, and there is no evidence to suggest that it was a contributing factor in her drowning. Within minutes of receiving the 911 call you heard earlier, Ventura County Sheriff's deputies began to muster resources to conduct a search and rescue operation, which, as noted earlier, ultimately involved divers, boats, helicopters, drones, and underwater search vehicles. They were able to narrow the search area by examining videos Naya had sent to a family member while on the lake before her disappearance. And I remember this. We were we were working at the time. Yeah. It was during the pandemic, so we were not in the office. But there was a lot of confusion as to whether they were searching for a body or searching to rescue someone. Because at the point Josie was discovered, there was still a chance that Naya was somewhere, had maybe grabbed a hold of something or was able to float in the lake. And it wasn't clear that they were just searching for the body at that point. From this evidence, investigators focused their search to the northeastern section of Lake Piru. As noted, this area is referred to as the Narrows and is, as the name suggests, the narrowest section of the lake. This fact presented rescuers with some hope that Naya, though unable to hoist herself into the boat, may have instead been able to swim to land, so the search was partially focused on the lakeshore. Rescuers were also aided by the long days at this time of year and were able to continue their searches late into the evenings and begin again early the following morning. Authorities closed the area to the public, with dive teams from across the region descending on the lake the day after Naya's disappearance. But despite all of this, there was no sign of Naya. On the evening of July 9th, over 24 hours after Naya went missing, the sheriff's department informed the media that Rivera was now presumed dead, and that rescue efforts would now shift to recovery efforts. On July 10th, the number of divers involved was cut from 100 to 40, and the sheriff's department explained that the visibility was so poor in the lake it was more probable Rivera would be found by using sonar devices. On July 11th, the sheriff's office announced that other counties and private contractors were assisting with the search, and the next day Rivera's family members and her Glee co-star Heather Morris joined the search team on land, as did Naya's ex-husband and Josie's father, Ryan Dorsey. Other friends and fans of Naya's began showing up at the lake, compelling the sheriff's office to publicly request people stay away, explaining that they had ample personnel to conduct a thorough search. Finally, on the morning of July 13th, a Ventura County dive team located a body floating in Diablo Cove in the northeasternmost section of Lake Piru. Later that day, Ventura County Sheriff Bill Ayub made the announcement. Today, our search teams have recovered a body in the lake. Based on the location where the body was found, physical characteristics of the body, clothing found on the body, and the physical condition of the body, as well as the absence of any other persons reported missing in the area, we are confident the body we found is that of Naya Rivera. The following day, the Ventura County Medical Examiner released its preliminary findings. The cause of death was an accidental drowning, and there was no evidence of injury or intoxication. The complete tox report was made public a few months later, and it confirmed that Naya was sober when she went in the water. They found in her system only a small amount of prescription meds, as well as caffeine and trace amounts of alcohol, none of which were considered contributing factors to her death. The coroner found that Naya had died within minutes of going under the water. The public reaction to Rivera's disappearance and the eventual discovery of her body was a mixed bag. 
the vast majority expressed heartfelt tributes, while others, as is typical, expressed frustration over the search efforts. But the most common refrain on social media and elsewhere was the expression of profound sadness that a supremely talented and beautiful young actress had died at the precipice of stardom. It didn't take long, however, for the Twitter trolls to make their hate-mongering and blame-casting heard, directing their vitriol at everyone from the sheriff to the Bolt rental company, and even to Naya herself. They accused her of jeopardizing her son's life and excoriated her for not wearing a life vest. There was particular vitriol directed to Naya's glee castmate, Leah Michelle, who was forced to delete her Twitter account days after Naya's disappearance. This all happened, Eric, just a couple of months after Michelle was accused by some of her Glee co-stars of unpleasant and even racist behavior on set. Rivera herself had spoken out publicly against Michelle, saying she was difficult and that they were not on speaking terms by the end of the show's run. Michelle remained silent during the search for Naya and reportedly received online death threats as a result. Yeah, look, Leah she Michelle was, a tough person. was known to be a tough person on set. Uh, Naya wasn't alone in expressing frustration with working uh, with her on the, on that show. But this is entirely unfair. It's entirely unrelated to the tragedy that befell Naya Rivera on Lake Piru. And to connect them, you really do need some awful people on Twitter to make those sorts of connections and blame and and even to sort of bring that up during a time of grief, which Leah Michelle, even if she had difficult times with with uh, Naya, they became kind of a family on the Glee set by all accounts. All of them at some point were just young kids working on a huge show. And while she got all of this sympathy, Leah Michelle, that is, during Corey Monteith's death, the 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 death of Naya Rivera was a completely different experience for Leah Michelle. Right. And I find it deeply unfortunate. I'm no big Leah Michelle fan, but this is outrageous. And going back to the allegations that were coming out of Twitter about the boat company, about the county, whether they were ultimately any accuracy or not, it's that rush to judgment. We see it all the time. It's maybe the worst aspect of the Twitterverse to me is that like as soon as there is any sort of natural disaster or man-made disaster or whatever it is, there's this rush to rush in to blame people. We're seeing it in the Lahaina fires in Hawaii. We're seeing, the rush shooting. we're seeing the rush shooting, right. There's all of these rushes to judgment and, you know, sort of, sort of more... People are unwilling to accept an accident. People right. want to point the finger at someone without or waiting for the evidence to suggest what it, what it was. That's and, right. and we'll talk in a minute. There's some blame to go around here, but nevertheless, the the, the rushes to judgment, in the immediate aftermath, it just sort of compounds the heartache of the family. It's really unfortunate when this kind of stuff happens. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Adidas, Macy's, or Levi's. And you can even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares that money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Later that year, Naya's ex-husband and Josie's father, Ryan Dorsey, did file a wrongful death lawsuit on his son's behalf against Ventura County, alleging that they'd failed to adequately warn visitors of the dangers of swimming in the lake. They noted that there have been at least 26 deaths on Lake Piru over the past 60 years, and it is the only lake in all of Ventura County that's still permitted swimming. Dorsey also sued the company that rented the boat to Rivera, saying it did not meet safety standards under California law, specifically that it did not come equipped with flotation devices 
nor with a safety-accessible ladder, adequate rope, an anchor, a radio, or any security mechanisms to prevent swimmers from being separated from their boats. Look, I separate the lawsuits into the two parties that he's trying to blame. One, Ventura County for even allowing uh, people on the uh, on the lake without a warning to swim. I tend to think that's not a very good lawsuit right. against Ventura County. There are a lot of areas that are dangerous, hiking areas, trails of that nature. You can only warn so much. And also, we, we all know intuitively spaces. that when you go swimming in a huge lake, this is a very large lake, that there are inherent dangers there, right? And, and people were clamoring, wanting to swim in the lake. Right. I mean, the, the reason that these public areas, it, it would be easiest for government officials to put a yellow rope around every body possibly of conceivable right. dangerous right. body of water. They're not going to do that because people do like to enjoy them. They like to water ski. They like to swim and so swimming, forth. swimming pools are inherently dangerous as well but we i recognize the public's desire for leisure overcomes sort of the most safe approach the most safe would be no swimming pools at all that's but right. we acknowledge that there's some fun in that and we want to let people do it that's right now against the boat i'm curious uh, about your thoughts because the yep. boat company they did seem to have some good uh arguments about safety measures that weren't taken on this boat as you said pontoons are on these skis you do they're kind of harder to get into because they're uh, yep. up off of the water they didn't have that ladder and they didn't well, have ropes to sort of save her. So that these could... these are the plaintiff's allegations, right? We always have to look at both sides. The pictures of the pontoon boat are online and you can see there is a ladder of some description hanging off the back of the boat. And it's important to notice that the plaintiffs alleged that there was not a um, safely accessible safely ladder. accessible ladder. So the ladder appeared on the back of the boat. And maybe that's their allegation. But that seems, you know, ladders are where they are on these pontoon boats. And this one had a ladder. It does, however, say there was no anchor. And, That's key. And this is key. Now, it, again, I was unable to find whether or not that was true. So that's a key point. They say no safely accessible ladder. That's a bit of a, I think, of a tweaking of the facts there. And plaintiff's attorneys do this. It's the way the game is played. Let, let, let's but assume... But if there's truly no anchor, given how pontoon boats do drift on the water, that seems to be a problem. Yeah, look, I've been on boats. I've rented boats before, and I've never seen uh, an accessible anchor. So it may be common in the industry to not give an anchor because this is a heavy thing that can damage their piece of property. Yep. When people just chuck an anchor overboard, if you don't right. do it correctly and you're not a seasoned veteran of, yep. of, of you know, you know, riding on lakes and boats, you could damage their boat. So I could see that not being but there. But based on what we know, if she had dropped an anchor, whether she would have done it or not, we don't know. If she had dropped an anchor, it would have saved her life. Yeah. The, the, the drifting of the boat, I think, contributed undeniably to her exhaustion and her eventual drowning because Naya was able to swim. She jumped in the water. Yeah. And she no was a good swimmer. She, she was a very strong swimmer by swim. all reports. She was an excellent swimmer. So the boat, boat is drifting. She's trying to catch up to it. She's going too fast. So where did this case go? The case eventually settled for an undisclosed amount, though Dorsey's attorney said Josie received, quote, just compensation for having to endure the drowning of his beloved mother. Further, swimming on Lake Piru was formally and permanently prohibited in August 2020 as a result of Naya's death. So here's where you see yep. uh, the reaction of the county saying, we just fielded a lawsuit. No more swimming. Right. We don't want to deal with this. If you're going to blame us afterwards, no more swimming. I wonder how big a check the boat company could cut. These are very small companies yes. typically that rent They have insurance, boats. but the insurance is going to be capped at a certain amount. It's it's hard to know how much Josie and, and, and Ryan Dorsey got for this lawsuit. Many of Rivera's Glee castmates gathered on Lake Piru on July 13th to say prayers shortly before her body was found. Included in this group were Heather Morris, Kevin McHale, Amber Riley, and Chris Colfer, among others. July 13th also happened to be the seven-year anniversary of the death of another Glee cast member, Corey Monteith, the subject of last week's podcast. And in a cruel bit of irony, it was Rivera's character, Santana Lopez, back in 2013, who sang a tribute to Monteith called If I Die Young in the Wake of His Death. 
If I die young, bury me in satin, lay me down on a bed of roses, sink me in the river at dawn, send me away with the words of a love song. Rivera's co-stars, family, and fans shared countless tributes after she was found dead. Her ex-fiance, the rapper Big Sean, called her a hero for saving her son and for the representation she gave to the gay and Latinx communities. Her ex-husband, Ryan Dorsey, made no public statement until after Rivera's funeral when he posted on Instagram to say that he was still finding her death hard to believe, but that having her son makes coping easier because a part of Naya will always be with me. But the most profound tributes to Rivera came from within the LGBTQ community. She was an outspoken advocate for gay equality, and she was lauded for her portrayal of the gay Santana Lopez on Glee. Multiple scholarly works were written both during and after Rivera's life, focusing on her character's significance to modern perceptions of sexual orientation and race. The president of GLAAD said Rivera's storyline on the show was, quote, one that hasn't been told on a primetime network television show at any level, particularly by an LGBT teen of color. The preeminent gay publication in the United States, The Advocate, anointed Rivera a queer icon. The scene from season three of Glee, when Santana comes out to her, her Puerto Rican grandmother received critical acclaim. When I'm with Brittany, I finally understand what people are talking about when they talk about love. And I've tried so hard to push this feeling away and keep it locked inside, but every day just feels like a war. And I walk around so mad at the world, but I'm really just fighting with myself. I don't want to fight anymore. I'm just too tired. I have to just be me. I'm glad you included this because it's really a big part of Naya Rivera's legacy. I think people think of Glee as a fun, frivolous show, a music phenomenon that took over the Billboard charts, but it was Naya who really transformed the show into a show with a real message, an important show, so to speak. And that particular storyline is unlike anyone else's on the show. I mean, Leah Michelle is obviously the biggest star, but she's just a drama geek who's into singing. Cory Monty. We've the, seen the those characters before. They're tropes yes. almost. Naya Rivera really rounded into a, a fully formed character because she's a really good actress. Yes. And, and when you watch that scene, you're seeing someone who could have potentially blossomed into a huge star. You know, we talked about Corey Monteith and the relative lack of continued acting success the former Glee cast has enjoyed after the show. But Rivera really could have been different, and it was because she was talented in so many different dimensions. You've heard the voice. She also had multiple projects in the works. Um, she's now part of the DC Comics universe. She was in a Batman spinoff, so she did some voice work on that. And she was working on releasing an album, um, which, as you heard... She had real soul to her voice. It didn't sound so much like a cover with Naya. It sounded like she could be an artist unto herself. There was a listing of the most talented performers on Glee, and she there are many of them. And she was always number one. She was always considered the biggest talent in the show, both and from beautiful. an acting, we acting to... both acting and singing. And she was dropped at gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe the closest analog for Naya's is Naya's Glee castmate Darren Chris. You know, they were the same age. They were both multiracial. They both, uh, though straight, achieved fame for the lauded performances of gay characters. Chris, both in Glee, and then he did the Versace show as well, a movie as well. And those similarities were not lost on Chris as he paid tribute to Rivera after her death, but he focused his final words to her on what a kind and giving person she was and how much she made him laugh. He wrote, I was constantly moved by the degree to which she took care of her family and how she looked out for her friends. She showed up for me on numerous occasions when she didn't have to, and I will always be so grateful for her friendship then, as I certainly am now. 
And even as I sit here, struggling to comprehend, gutted beyond description, the very thought of her cracks me up and still brings a smile to my face. That was Naya's way, and it's a gift that will never go away. <laughs>